You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome into the Odds and Audibles podcast. I'm Matt Prem. Eric Scopel, Kevin Wade are also on today's show. And before we dive into it, I want to remind everybody uh, you can subscribe today and get 50% off an annual VIP membership, 10-year anniversary of 24-7 sports slash NAF territory. And in that, we are honoring uh, all new members an opportunity to get a, a 50% off VIP membership. It comes out to $53.70, one time billing for the rest of the year. Inside scoop, expert analysis, read all the content across the 24-7 sports network, access to Oregon Duck Insiders like all three of us as well as national and regional writers as well within the 24-7 Sports Network. So we're doing this podcast after uh, Oregon Athletic Director Rob Mullins and Oregon Head Football Coach Mario Cristobal both met with the media. Uh, they did Zoom calls. Mullins spoke for about 15 minutes. Mario Cristobal spoke for about 25, 20 minutes. Uh, this is a couple days after the Pac-12's announcement that they were postponing all sports in the rest of the 2020 calendar year. Uh, This is our first opportunity to really get some opinions and some thoughts and have an opportunity to ask uh, Rob Mullins, the athletic director at Oregon, his thoughts on various topics, as well as hearing, you know, the, the sport everyone's primary focus is on right now football the head coach of the football program Mario Cristobal and his thoughts and uh, we heard a lot we got a lot of information Um, the thing for me that really stood out and and we're going to hear from Mario Cristobal here in a second is uh, Eric asked a really good question about the culture and this is what Mario Cristobal said about that you know I think we passed the test well we really did because it, it really was a test and the test lasted a lot longer and came with a, um, a very, you know, I would say uh, a, a, a true, um, I would say painful, you know, conclusion, right? A real one. But all this comes with a conclusion that and a decision that was made for the right reason. So how did we do? We did extremely well because guys were here. Um, guys did their part in terms of working hard, following protocol. Uh, the testing results show that I think this team's going to be ready for anything that's thrown its way down the line in the future. I think we saw the development and the grooming of some young leadership as well that all of a sudden found themselves in a role that they probably weren't expecting to be in for another couple of years while they're there now. So all in all, uh, extremely proud of the players, extremely proud and thankful for the organization, uh, the administration, Everyone involved now. I mean, there's there are people in down in the training room, um, down in the cafeteria, you know, you know, custodial department. I mean, you, you name it, top to bottom. You know, Jimmy's on here. You know, Patrick Pearson's on here. All these guys have just been, um, they've been incredibly resilient, and just whether it be showing up on Zoom every day or we were actually allowed in the building, showing up in person with um, the right attitude, big smile, ready to attack the opportunity. So. That's Mario Cristobal talking about the culture of the program through the last few weeks, months of training with COVID-19 and trying to get through all of that. And Eric, I think you could feel the pain in in his voice of 
he's okay with the idea and, and he understands why they canceled the season, but it doesn't make it any easier to swallow. You can see the, the pain that, that you can hear the pain that comes from his voice when he's talking about just how the, the team was able to weather through what they've just gone through. Yeah. It, it felt like a combination of, like you said, sorrow and, and mourning, but also pride of what the team has. I think the pause he had there where he kind of didn't know what to say about what's taken place and he, he kind of picked his words carefully there. I thought that was pretty telling of just how difficult this has to have been for, for everybody involved. And I know we're obviously we're hopeful that football gets played and the fan base is hopeful that football gets played, but I think it's different inside for these players that are, that are playing and these coaches that devote, I mean, incredible hours a day, week, month, year to their craft and, uh, and who aren't going to have an opportunity to show that this fall. I mean, that's, that's devastating. You felt that. And then I also think you heard just the pride in, in how this has gone. And I think that was part of why I asked the question. Cause I, I figured based upon the messaging we've heard that that was probably what he was going to say somewhere in that direction of just how impressed he's been with these young men. And, you know, he brings up that there've been maybe some of the younger players that weren't expected to be thrust into a, a leadership role so quickly and they've stepped in and, and everybody else has kind of done their part and stuff. So um, the pat, you know, he said they passed the test. I, I thought all of that was really positive and it gets you like kind of fired up about what the future can hold. Um, but like, like him, you, you're, you're also kind of caught in this, like, boy, this, you know, you hear all that excitement. It's kind of bittersweet because you're going, man, this team could be really fun and exciting. But unfortunately, we don't know the next time we're going to see really any of these guys on the field. And, and like Cristobal, I think I share just kind of a sense of like, that almost put it more into perspective. Like, boy, this really does stink that, that these guys are all putting it all out there and, and, and really wanted to do this and that they don't get a chance. Kevin, he, we did get some information. What's next for this football program and, and all the other athletes as well, both Mullins and Mario Cristobal spoke about just what are the options now for the athletes as games are off the table? Yeah. Um, so football has been there for seven weeks. They showed up at the end. All athletes were there by the end of June. So football team has been buzzing, humming throughout the month of July and into August. So they're all going basketball men's and women's have both been working out, but Rob Mullins in his portion of the presser said that there will be, no new onboarding until uh, school starts in September. So the athletes that are there can stay there working out. Athletes that aren't there for the fall sports or other sports will have to kind of wait until uh, school starts in September, which is pretty significant. But for the football team, and as it relates to what we heard from Mario Cristobal, I think those guys are going to stay in town. Uh, based off what he said, he, he expects most of them to stay in town. Uh, he even expects their families to come out just because – Oregon football players have responded so well in taking the protocol seriously and Lane County and the state of Oregon are doing significantly better, which I think does play a big factor into how this decision has kind of impacted the Oregon football program. Just one, one, sorry, I just had one thing to add to what Kevin said about the players staying in town. And it just as an addition of, of Cristobal said, he wanted to give the players some time to kind of deal with their emotions of what's taken place in the last couple of days but that he's gone out and, and he's gone to, they've been out working out. I mean, they left the facilities open and kind of left it voluntary and he's been out there and he says most of them are out running around working out. So just another one of those elements of, of what's going on that I think was, it was a good to see kind of that glimpse into to what the program is doing at the moment. Yeah. Maybe the, the best quote, uh, I'm going to paraphrase it, or maybe just Kevin can just read it off that basically crystal ball said this the equivalent of this isn't good news, but they're not going to sit around and, and, and let it and, and let it sit there. 
yeah, we're not going to sit around and pout. We're not about that. We don't recruit guys like that. Simple. Yeah. And, and it's it kind of like gives you an idea of the mindset of this, of this team where they're not going to just sit around and, you know, that he was asked a recruiting question of, you know, how are you going to operate with, uh, unknown signing day is signing day going to happen like normal. And, you know, crystal ball basically answered it by saying the only thing I understand about recruiting right now is doing it at a high level. And, you know, they're, they're going to find the, the positives and, and focus on that and not the negatives. Yeah. I don't know what else you really can do at this point. Right. And, and I think that's the mindset you kind of have to carry. And this is one of those times that really, again, tests these players mentality and, uh, and uh, I guess, again, just like I, the glimpse into it and, and what you learned today from just what's going on around the program, I think that was really enlightening just to, to kind of hear the motivation and, and kind of where everybody's head's at. And obviously, we'll learn a lot more, I think, in the next weeks and months about a lot of that, but um, a good start. The- yeah. I think that uh, the way that the players have responded and the coaches have responded is going to show a lot in this program. And Mario talked a lot about how this is kind of a once in a lifetime opportunity kind of putting some spin on it, that this is where players can hone in on their craft, on their academics off the field, but then also take really work on the field. to when football is played, come back better. Yeah. That was what I was going to say is, is football, any sport, but football in particular is so structure based. They're, they've got goals, whether it's, get through a practice, have a good practice, have a good week of practice, get ready for a game, get ready for a season. And now uh, that, that structure has kind of been eliminated from the equation for at least the time being, because they don't know when officially they're going to play. And so I asked Chris, well, how have they been able to handle that? And that's where he came out and, and, and said that this is going to be an opportunity for a unique opportunity where these guys are going to be able to have extra time to get better and not really lose a year of eligibility for it. And, and sure, some guys may sit out and, and may not play, or uh, some guys may go pro when you know they, they could have ha- they could have come back for a, a senior season again or what have you. Uh, but for the most part, this program is going to have more opportunities to continue to train and develop. And and while they aren't may, maybe playing seven on seven or eleven on eleven full pad football they're still working on those skills and those drills to get better. And, and the team's getting an opportunity of, of more time to simply just be better football players, which will pay off down, down the road. And I think that actually kind of echoes a mailbag question that Matt and I had earlier this week, where they're trying to talk about what the positives could be from this. And that was sort of what we said is you, you, know, you, you do have an enhanced opportunity for more working out getting bigger, stronger, working on football drills, obviously. Um, he didn't bring it up and possibly learning playbooks and, and just kind of putting yourself in a position for whenever the next season does start, whether it's in the spring in 2021, or we have to wait until the fall next year and there's no spring season. Um, this is, this is opportunity that is, is kind of unique. And yeah, I think there's an opportunity to take advantage of that. And maybe you, you can even advance some of this stuff and take advantage of a really bad situation and find some sort of silver lining for it. Now I think that goes into the next phase of, player futures. Um, Mario Cristobal was asked about, in particular, Penny Sewell. Um, will he be going pro? Or, or it, He even was even asked, what, what's his fonding memory of Penny Sewell? And he refused to kind of give an answer there. Um, I, what do we read into that, Eric? 
Well, he did, he did say just first off in terms in general and in Penne as well, including this, that there's no decisions have been made about opting out and that really there's just not enough information and that they're going to have to get more information to have those conversations. He says they're going to have very deep and well-informed conversations with the players and the families so that they can, you know, reach the best decisions for them individually. Um, and so, you know, I, I think it's, you're, you're really in wait and see mode and that's what you expect to hear, I guess, a couple of days removed from something like this that's so historic and kind of mind-blowing that that there's probably aren't going to be a lot of finalized decisions because again the, the buzzword on Tuesday was uncertainty and none of that's changed and we have really don't know we have really no concept of what the spring could hold if there is a spring season so and and, and I disagree that he did actually give a kind of comical favorite memory um from Penny Sewell uh, he said, maybe the way I keep reminding him that he has to continue to develop his abs to be a complete left tackle. So, I mean, it's <laughs> a, kind of a joke answer, <laughs> but it showed a little levity. At least I thought that was kind of funny. And we're, we're I think, Kevin, this is kind of like what Eric said, but Mario kind of knocked it out of the park with this one and that you never really got a sense that he was against either decision, you know, coming, you know, coming back for, for Penne or for any player, uh, or if any player felt like they needed to, to either opt out or to just go pro, uh, you never really got a sense that he was leaning one way or the other when you could easily understand why he wants everyone to come back. I think that echoes what we've seen the past two off seasons uh, at the end of the season where those players make the decision, whether it was Justin deciding to come back for his senior season two years ago, uh, and then uh, the whole group of players deciding to come back, no one leaving early, but Dylan Mitchell did leave early two years ago. I think it's always making the best decision for yourself. And I think that's something that Mario has echoed over the last few off seasons that he's now applying here is we need to look at, all of the information we have on the table. We need to see what scouts are saying. Where is a player going to get picked? Um, obviously, Penesul is going to be a top first-round guy, but where is Javon Holland going to slot in? Where are guys like Thomas Graham, Diamondor, Lenore um, going to fit in that draft picture? And what can they do if they were to return for a potential spring season? If there is one right now, I think that's kind of the big question. And Looking at how Mario has approached everything he has as a head coach, I think he's a very reasoned coach who looks at all of the factors that play into a decision before jumping and making a, a decision. While there, there might be some instinctual stuff he does, I think he's very reason-based, and I think this continues that trend for him. And then I guess the next logical question then becomes, when will this team play? Again, when 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 will they transition from doing some kind of twenty-hour-a-week practice or what have you, uh, walk-through type deal? And, and when do they actually start putting the pads on? When do they start uh, getting ready and, and gearing up and then actually playing games? And I, I think that's going to be an interesting discussion point of. When does this happen? I mean, I asked Rob Mullins, the athletic director, how quickly can you play football and, and still say that you're looking out towards uh, the player's safety, which they, you know, I, I'm not doubting that, the, that they aren't, you know, caring about that. I mean, they are. I, and you, you can hear it in their voices. You can hear it in their faces when they say it. But there is that concern of how much is too much football in, in one calendar year. 
You know, Ron, I'd like to see what that looks like. You know, I don't, uh, I mean, I think we all want to play football. I would like to see what that looks like on paper to see what that actually means. You know, when is the start date? What type of practices are there? What does that mean for the following season? And what does that calendar look like as well? And then that's always going to be the biggest question, right? How much football can you play in a certain amount of time? So open to any and all ideas, but certainly would like to take a look of, at what that really means before saying, hey, that looks, that's a great idea, or maybe that's not a great idea. So, but open to any, anything regarding football. Yeah, that, that's Mario Cristobal talking about spring football. And Kevin, I, I think you can, you can hear it in his voice. He wants to, but he's also not sold that, that they need to. Yeah, I, I thought that was pretty interesting. Um, kind of after everything that's the past 48 hours that's transpired. I mean, you have a few coaches in the big 10 who have already released full lengthy proposals of how it's going to work out again with Mario being reason based. I think he just, he needs to see the plan in order to say that this could happen. Um, Whereas Rob Mullins kind of said, well, there's a group working on it, but we don't have a plan. Mario really just wants to see that plan before he can get excited and kind of get the players ready to, gear up for a spring season yeah and and we uh, really quick i want to read a little bit of what mullen said on the same topic here um he said what we've done is postpone sports through the calendar year that may give us a chance to do something earlier than what would be the spring if we could do something in january or february we can truncate that to a few to a few games i don't know the exact number but we'll explore all of those types of models so i mean i think there's a i mean obviously there's a lot at play right now there's there's no certainty that's again where we land um, but it will be interesting to see January, February as a target time seems quick, but if they can get that done, I think that really is beneficial for at least the concept of playing a spring season and then playing something in the fall. I, you know, um, it's to me, it's almost illogical to play two full traditional seasons in one calendar year like that. I mean, you'd be talking about potentially like 25, 26 games, more than that, maybe if you were to play, you know, win a conference championship play in, you know, the college football playoff or something. And you're talking about that with a very short break. So, I mean, these are the type of things you have to worry about. And we, we spend a lot of time focusing on the COVID part here. Even if there is a solution for the COVID and maybe there's a, a vaccine in place that allows us to start sometime in the spring, you also just have to worry about, like, how much football is too much football, you know. And, and, and that's what Mario and, and, and Mullins are clearly trying to address. Yeah, and that's, that's going to be the tough question of – how do you how, how much football can can you do in in one calendar year and and at what point can you what at what point do you have to stop to give yourself the proper amount of time to practice and to be ready and to you know give the body an opportunity to heal and to grow from the rigors of, of a grueling football season, because think about how many injuries you see in, in a season and, you know, an injury. And if, if the season doesn't, if it isn't over in March, you know, a, a three month injury could four months in, injury could, could knock you out for two seasons. If it happens at, at a certain point. And I was even going to say, like, it's not even the serious injuries. Like, you talk to players after a season, and there's, like, a certain cumulative effect of all that contact, of all those big hits. And, like, it might not be that they even have a a broken ankle or a torn, I don't know, labrum or whatever injury you might want to throw out there. But the the cumulative effect plays out. None of these players are playing without 
you know, breaks or sprains and, and you need time for your body to be away from that. And to, to me, especially college athletes who are they're not being financially compensated, trying to ask them to play two full seasons in a year with, with again, not a huge break in between is to me seems a little bit, it's, it's certainly pushing it. It's certainly pushing the, the realms of, of what I think could really take place next year. And, and if it does take place, um, I would be concerned about what a, the fall would look like from an injury perspective of just like, you could you could see some teams really really beaten up. What would even a, a as Rob Mullins called it a truncated season, Kevin, um, look like? I, I'm just curious how many games could we actually see colleges play if games start in, in late January? I think for for the Big Ten and Pac-12 as the two Power Five conferences that have already made the decision to explore a spring season. Um, Right now, I think a 10-game conference season, the one they've already created, is possible. But it just I think kind of also right now depends on what do the other three Power 5 conferences do. Uh, I know uh, Jeff Brom, the Purdue coach, put out his proposal that if the Big Ten and Pac-12 are the only teams playing, they'll play their 10-games conference season, have a a conference championship game, then Big Ten and Pac-12 play in the Rose Bowl. So right there, there's 12 games that you're looking to play in the spring. And then you turn around, you're going to have to play a truncated season in 2021. And that's another at least 12 or 13 if there's a college football playoff. So that is 25 games over a two-year stretch, which is a lot. Maybe it gets dropped down to an eight-game spring season. Um, But regardless, I think the schools have so much financial motivation to play these games that they're going to try. I just, I don't know the amount of games that they're going to be able to get in because you just look at the NFL combine, how many players aren't able to go full go. And these are guys that are going for their, their audition for, to make millions of dollars. There's so many guys that have to sit out one or two portions because they're just banged up after a season. So I, I just don't know how realistic it is to get 25 games. Now you brought up the financial aspect and, uh, Rob Mullins emailed season ticket holders uh, earlier this week discussing the options that season ticket holders have. We have that letter up on DuckTerritory.com. Um, in that letter, he, he cited that you know football is responsible for roughly 70% of the revenue generated by the athletic department. And in this press conference with media, Rob Mullins was asked if he kind of had a ballpark idea of where things could be going financially and the kind of hit that the school will be taking uh, without football this season. Well, you know, I guess we really have to determine whether we're going to be able to, um, you know, have uh, some of these postponed games played in the spring. Uh, Our numbers have remained fairly consistent, which I think we shared on the last call, but now obviously we've eliminated a couple of scenarios so we're probably, Ryan, somewhere in the $50 million to $80 million range of impact, depending on what we're able to do in the spring. And that's going to be the big question, Eric, is oh. what can they do in the spring to make up any of this or cut the losses? Yeah, you're talking $50 million, $80 million. I think the fact that the uncertainty comes in there, the range of – that's a $30 million difference. And obviously, you're, you're looking at big estimates that have a ton of varying factors. So it makes sense that there's a wide range. But if either, either of those numbers are, are massive. And obviously, you pick the lower number if you can. And, and that's part of what Kevin was saying and, and why there's some merit to that is there, there is, there, there is so definitely some financial incentive to play as many games as possible both in the spring and the fall. Um, and and I, I think from my perspective, 
And again, I don't know, we don't know what's going to happen, but I think the test of the statement that this is all player safety related, and, and I, I do believe that will be pushed, will be challenged a little bit in the spring because there are budgets that are going to be dependent upon if they can play an eight game, 10 game, 12 game season in the spring. And um, that, that's, that's money talks. And that could be, that'll be interesting to see how that plays out without question, especially when you're talking about a deficit that's, you know, half a hundred million dollars or more. So Rob Mullins did mention that the league is, is exploring some options to help uh, protect some of the, the costs that are going to be uh, incurred or the losses of revenue that's going to be incurred. Rob Mullins also said that the school itself internally is looking into um, some measures of, of how they can protect themselves or how they can generate some money. Uh, but it, it's going to be tough times. It's going to be that classic, uh, you know, tighten up your belt analogy of, you know, seeing how much you can stretch your dollar. And he's, he opened up that, you know, the school has already kind of done some of that uh, when COVID-19 first hit. We already took a number of personnel actions. You know, we, we uh, took about 10% of our staff uh, had to do leave without pay, which is a really difficult decision. Uh, and the rest of our team, coaches included, uh, took a 10% across the board pay cut and we suspended all incentives through the fiscal year. So uh, we've already taken a first step, um, but we'll continue to try to figure out a way uh, to, to close that gap for, for this fiscal year and, and make sure that we're ready to accelerate out of it. And that's going to be the key, Kevin, is accelerating out of it as quickly as possible. Yeah, I think, I think getting fans in the stands is, is going to be an important factor because you look at that 50 to 80 million range, that's with no fans or very limited to no fans in the stands. So that's a, a huge revenue gap. I know that um, in Rob Mullen's letter yesterday, which is up on duck territory to, to fans and season ticket holders, they've asked a lot of season ticket holders to go ahead and just make a hundred percent tax deductible donation for what they've already paid. Season ticket deposits were due at the end of February. So before all of these shutdowns started or right around when those got going. So the university has been holding on to that money for quite a while. Um, so if they can turn a lot of those into donations and they've heavily incentivized those four season ticket holders, which I think was really smart, but then also gave the people who need that money uh, the ability to go get that as a refund now that the season's been postponed. So I think those are the, the ways uh, growing donations, getting back on track is going to be what they need to do financially. But um Basically, the way he made it sound like they just they were they were going to exhaust every option they could before taking really drastic measures. Yeah, and drastic measures would be cutting sports, which Mullen said they're not in the process of doing. But Eric, he didn't also say they're not. He didn't guarantee they're not cutting sports. He just said that's the last resort. Yeah, and I can't help but I know the messaging is similar from I think the last time he spoke. I was I think that was May, and, and he was asked a similar question about the possibility of cutting sports, and it was the same thing. We don't we do everything before we we would do that, and he said today it's a last resort to to cut any sports. They want to have their twenty sports intact for the foreseeable future. I reading between the lines, I think the confidence level there, and maybe maybe this is overstepping here in, in terms of trying to analyze it, but I, I felt a little bit less confident from a little less confidence coming from him on that perspective than maybe I expected. Um, and I think you've already seen Stanford cut some sports and, and I'm sure there are going to be other schools in the conference that have to come to those decisions. And, and clearly um, they don't want to do that. That would be an awful place to be. Um, but maybe, you know, that, I don't, I don't know what else to say about that other than 
they don't want that to happen. But the reality is that could be something that that is coming down the pike at some point here. Um, when that is, we don't know. But uh, I certainly came away listening to that. Maybe you guys disagree, feeling a little bit less confident um, that that, the, that there would be no sports cut based upon what Rob said today. Yeah, I certainly wasn't very confident in terms of uh, if, if it, the options on the table, I think. I mean, obviously they don't want to address it. Maybe they're not even – uh, they're putting it to the side of the you know upper corner of the table, but it, it's on the table. Um, and we could argue various degrees of how serious it is right now, but uh, it's last resort, which tells you they don't want to go that route. They're trying not to go that route. They're trying to figure out how to avoid it. Um, but the, the question becomes, how long can they last without having to do some of that stuff? And overall, um, tenor of the press conference, I, I think – Obviously, we weren't going in expecting both these guys to be all gung-ho and super excited. Uh, you know, so it was kind of one of those you already kind of knew it was going to be uh, far and few between really good positive news. But I think overall, I didn't leave the press conference thinking that, oh, boy, the athletics department is in dire straits, uh, you know, maybe whether that's financially or whether, whether that's from a health perspective uh, or from you know, just overall an overall perspective of, of Oregon's athletics department. But uh, I feel still feel pretty solid about this group. And um, it sounds like they're doing all the right things. It sounds like uh, they're taking it as best as they can. And they're finding, they're trying to find as many positives to embrace it as, as you can. And that's kind of what we all have to do at this point. I, I came away, I think, just really impressed with the, the leadership of both of them. And, you know, I think especially with Mario and, and the way he handled some of that, um, these are difficult times. And I think you could really sense just the way he handles stuff that Oregon, again, and we've already said this so many times, but that Oregon has the, the right coach in place and um, for a variety of reasons. But, you know, this is a te – you know, I, I asked him earlier about it being a test of uh, the culture, which is what he had said back in April, that this was going to be a test of culture, you know, around the country at all, all, all colleges – all programs. And um, I think he clearly thinks that, the, that this program has passed that. We played that audio earlier. I think Cristobal was put in a tough spot as well here. And from my perspective, and again, um, just to based upon how he presents himself, how the players have represented him and, and how Rob Mullins represented him today, um, I think you feel really positive about who's leading this program, which isn't a, exactly a shocking take, but um, it, it is certainly good to feel that after what has taken place the last couple of days. All right, I think that's going to do it for us here on the Odds and Audibles podcast for Kevin Wade, Eric Scopel, myself, Matt Prem. We will talk to you soon. You've been listening to the Odds and Audibles podcast. Talk to you later, folks.